What's a nicer way to say ignorance? Okay, so um, did you want to start off with that question or did you want to, how'd you want to do this, Joe? Yeah. Uh, so thanks for tuning in to the, the second episode of the Unhealthy Skeptics podcast. Uh, we, we had an interesting topic today and this kind of feeds off of a, a Reddit feed that I read at once. And so I, I have a question for Nico and we just mm-hmm. kind of want to unpack the, the question. You know, the statement on the, on the Reddit feed, which if, if you aren't familiar with the Reddit feed, Change My View is the Reddit feed. It, it's, a, it's a beautiful feed. There's, there's a lot of good conversation happening there, and there's a lot of uh, good faith arguments being had. At, at least some of them are. And uh, it's a great place to just go change your mind on some things. But this particular feed has the statement, uh, Change My View on this topic. College degrees are now a commodity. They are the true underlying cause of the depressed middle class in the States. Whoa. So it's a loaded statement. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty loaded. So, you know, yeah. the, the, the argument is essentially that uh, and I'll, I'll kind of quote from the, the Reddit just to give you guys an idea of where this is coming from. Uh, you know, there are essentially jobs, even basic jobs now that are saying master's degree preferred for what? Uh, that's not the expected intent of a master's or even a bachelor's degree uh, if you're going to make a $30,000 per year job. Again, this is from the, the literal quote on the feed. It's not even the intent of an associate's degree, but at least an associate's degree does not go too much farther than high school level education. Master's and PhD should be for your executive level, not for a routine software developer. Uh, that's just one quote in the entire uh, series of of uh, arguments here, but the four four main points that are made is the following. College tuition has skyrocketed because everyone basically feels they're obligated to go to college. Who profits? Well, the employers, the colleges, but not the employees of companies. And screaming for eliminate student debt isn't the answer. That money has to come from somewhere and it won't be the employers of the colleges. Meanwhile, lower income families can't afford the cost of higher education. Diploma mills became a thing and are still the thing. This is number two now. Diploma mills became a thing and are still a thing. There's only a thing because the game is stacked against applicants and they have to do something just to get the resume past the automated scrubber. Uh, the, the third point, so essentially they go down these points. The first one being college tuition is too high for X reason. Diploma mills now exist for X reason. Do salaries you want to- are depressed. And because salaries are depressed, it's harder to pay for college tuition to get degrees in the first place. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a lot there. Um, which one, which one do you want to start? What do you want to start with Joe with that? Nico, why does college cost so much? I think, see this, my theory is that the college thing costs a lot because of the availability of the loans. Now everyone like right away, everyone says, oh, so you're not, you don't want everyone to get, you don't want everyone to get a, a degree. No. And that's not, no, like, cause cause a common point that's made is that, because the loans are too available, people think that more people are going to go to college and um, it, it dilutes the degree. That's a commonly held thought. But mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm not saying that the availability of loans is, is just because there's more. Like a lot of people use the degree inflation, the degree inflation argument. Just because there's more means it's, it's worth uh, less than it used to be. Mm-hmm. I, I want to focus more on the what because these loans are basically writing blank checks to anyone who wants them 
and can qualify. And um, I was looking at that Reddit feed and, and a gentleman said, well, these loans take a specific things into account and financial status, but they don't take into account what you're majoring in. Like if you were to go to, if you were to go to the bank right now and you were, and you were to, you were to go and try to take a loan out for, uh, for a business or something, you would have to prove to the banker like, okay, I want to, I want to start this business and uh, I'm going to take out a hundred thousand dollars at this percent interest rate. And this is how I'm going to pay you back. So if you're going to go to the federal, the federal government and you're going to say, okay, I'm going to take out this loan. Uh, I'm going to major in art history and I'm, I'm going to pay you back, you know, in 30 years at this insane interest rate. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't think any, any private institution would take that risk, but I'm, you know, I, it's kind of taboo to say like, oh, then, then they shouldn't have the right to go get the degree. No, they should get, they should, anyone who wants to study art history, they should, they should have that right to go get that degree. I just don't think it should be on a, on a, just like a banker wouldn't give the, the loan to anyone. I, I don't think the federal government should be giving it to anyone. So I think that's the root of the problem. Like there, there's gotta be, um, there's gotta be more of a, a stringent policy on who's getting these loans. Like if you're going to major in civil engineering or something, and that's a, that's a game changer. Then it's like, you're going to pay, you're going to pay back that loan. No problem. Cause the Bureau of Labor Statistics has hard data to show that this is going to be your salary and this is going to be your job opportunity. So, um, right. what, do you think, what do you think about that? So the, the salary point, right? So if you look yeah. at the Bureau of Labor Statistics and look at the salary data that they have compiled, uh, looking at a, the particular salary for a profession doesn't necessarily guarantee that you have a high rate of employment in that profession, right? Yeah, true. Uh, be, because true. You, you can have a degree in, and again, I'm extrapolating here. I, I could be wrong. I need to see the data on this. But, you know, if I think about it, uh, petroleum engineering is probably a very, very profitable field. However, I don't know how many positions are actually available in the job market for petroleum engineers, right? So you, you can have quite a few people with this degree who, when they get a job, make quite a bit of money, right? But, you know, if, if, you're, <laughs> if you're only employing 10% of the field that's graduating from college with these things, and I, I see the hard argument there of just using stats as a way to dictate which particular loans are given out. Not only that, but when you look at like the the government providing loans for individuals looking to go to colleges, the argument that there should be a good return on investment, uh, being a qualifier for receiving that loan, is a good one. It makes intuitive sense. But when you look at the the logistics of actually trying to do that, how would we do that? Right? How how would we as a society or as a government try to get an idea as to who should get how much and who shouldn't? Right? Because the example of, well, I'm the government and I'm looking to give loans to my citizens uh, through taxpayer money, right? And I'm trying to get the best return on investment for my loans as possible, yeah. while at the same time ensuring everybody has the opportunity to go and get a decent education and to make a living, right? I'm going to pick salary as the determining factor. I'm going to look at salaries across the board and say, well, you know, the salary of somebody who is an art education major or an art education teacher, uh, art teacher, versus the salary of somebody who's a petroleum engineer versus the salary of somebody who is a medical doctor, right? I'm going to look at all of those there and obviously conclude that the medical doctor probably making the most of those, right, uh, should receive most of their funding from, or I, I should be able to give most of my funding towards them because, well, the salary is the measure which I'm interested in. But if we if we pay attention to the thing, you know, the the 
problem I just listed, which is that salaries aren't necessarily a great indicative measure of your return on investment for loans, then we have to take a step back and say, well, we can't really use salaries, but what could we use? And so the, the question then becomes, if we, if we start to look at the return on investment in particular professions, right, as a qualifier for student loans, what, what criteria do we actually use to give everybody a gotcha. fair shot, right? Yeah, what metrics would you use? Um, so you brought up salary and like that salary wasn't the only, wouldn't be the only thing that we would look at, right? Um, sure. We would look at employment rate and all this data is on the Bureau of Labor Statistics, projected growth rate. So we have this data. It's, it's available. Mm -hmm. It's on the Bureau of Labor Statistics. There's, there's data, uh, there's, there's actuaries and statisticians working on this. What, mm -hmm. what fields are projected to grow? What fields are projected to stagnate? Which fields are projected to kind of die off? Like we have this data. So they, they, we, they, the, the government can use it and use the projected growth salary and employment rate, not just the salary, to, to, make, to determine these decisions. So to answer your question about, I'm getting a call. Wait, oops. It was Joe Bellow. Uh, I would, you know, we could use all these three of the things. My buddy Joe Bella works for the, the New York Yankees, by the way. Cool guy. Um, so we could use those three things. Also, um, what's what's like, this is a you know crazy uh, idea, but what if we just remove the government out of the equation and then get the government out of the way and then it's purely private sector and then you have companies competing with each other to say, okay, I want to get this guy's I want to get I want to get these give these guys the loans because they're majoring in this and this, so I'm gonna work with, I'm gonna work with the uh, give the loans to the the guys getting the STEM degrees. I'm not gonna give the loans to the guys getting the music degrees. And not saying music degree is bad. I'm a musician. I love music. I play music. I get it. But you can still go get it. But it's just getting that that loan, getting that you know thirty thirty thousand forty fifty thousand dollar loan um, won't be as readily available. Might have you a second guess. You know wait, how am I going to pay the bills? How am I going to make a living? Because mm -hmm. that, that's really what's going to matter. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm a creative guy. I love music. I love the arts. Like people are like, well, you can't poo-poo the arts. You can't, you know, you can't poo-poo liberal arts. I get that. I literally, I literally, I love reading. I love playing the guitar, playing the drums, piano. I love writing songs. That, that's, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just, you got to pay the bills, you know? And, and I, I mm -hmm. see a lot of these kids like graduating with some of these degrees. And uh, when I went to Ithaca College, I'm like, come on, like you're a vocal performance major? Like, 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 no offense to you. Like, I don't mean, I don't mean any disrespect, you know, like I, I admire your passion, but come on, like, like how, how is that going to, how is that going to relate to how are you going to make any money? You know? And, and, and it's, it's not such an outlandish thing to say, but I think mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's kind of taboo, right? Like you feel like, I feel like it's taboo to even mention that, right? Like, yeah, no, I, I, I can see why that's taboo, but you also have to consider that there's a personal responsibility that you take in, in in selecting a particular major, right, or selecting a particular field of study, mm -hmm. right, and so you know where where does personal responsibility come into play here too? Because if if you're willing to go to school, and again, the the idea of uh, consent is interesting here because you know you as a 17 year old choosing to go to school for a, maybe a, a what was the statistic that uh, majors in psychology tend to be most most uh, prevalent? And I remember reading a study that. A majority of the individuals that come out of college most are psychology majors. Yeah, can be psychology majors. Number one, number one major in the country. Right, right. 
which I mean, makes sense because psychology is an interesting field to begin with. It's just, it, it, it may not be the highest yield degree, right? So, so taking it a step back, it, where does personal responsibility come into this as well, right? If, if you, you know, let's take a scenario here. You're, you have a 17 year old who's really interested in studying vocal performance, right? And that 17 year old is looking at, for example, we'll say uh, they're looking to go to uh, the Rochester, what, what's the school? The Eastman School of Music in Rochester, which is excellent, one of the better schools. Excellent music, school, right? yeah. Right, absolutely fantastic school. Their tuition reflects that though. It's a very, very, I'm sure it's a very expensive school. Let me actually take a look just to make sure I've got the right numbers. Yeah, while you're looking, I, I want to say like, um, you, you mentioned personal responsibility and, and that's exactly right. Like it should be the responsibility of the person that's studying that, mm -hmm. not the responsibility of the government and everyone else paying into it. Because then it kind of, you know what I'm saying? Like then it kind of drags right. everybody else in because one guy wants to be a, a, a vocal performance major mm -hmm. and I totally get that, the personal responsibility. You know, it's a, it's a risky move. It's a risky move doing a, per, a vocal performance major. That's, that's, that's right. not, it's not to be disputed. Right. So why drag everyone else involved and drag everyone else down with you with the responsibility aspect? You know, it should be your, your own thing. You right. Where, you know, yes, yeah. You know what I'm coming from? Like, yeah, but you have to understand that regardless of who's giving you the loan, you, you are the one who bears the weight of that loan unless you default, right? You bear it, but you bear the weight. You you can't default. You bear the weight, but who's 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 waiting to get paid back? Yeah, that's I mean that's the question. Is like so the government. Who, who should be who should we be willing to allow to be? Uh, who should we allow to, or, or who should we want the weight of um, failure to pay loans to rest on? Right. So that that's kind of the question. Uh, I think private institutions. Right. And, and so we have to look at the effect of that, right? So if private institutions are giving out, well, first off, so let me back up. Uh, giving private institutions uh, the sole responsibility of giving out student loans may not necessarily change the loan landscape, right? May not necessarily change it because you, you might also have, in a progressive government, you might also have government legislation that enforces particular institutions to give out or encourages them to give out loans. We'll say they subsidize, the government subsidizes loans given from Sally Mae to individuals looking to pursue a vocal major performance degree. Okay. Okay. Right. And, and so having it fall particularly on the private sector does not, does not exclude the ability for um, government intervention to start to change the economy of student loans. Right. Uh, but let, let's say that we have the private institutions uh, being the sole lenders in student loans and the government is not involved at all. Uh, what you would see then is essentially, uh, well, what would you see? I, I was going to say you would see an economy where uh, loans are given to individuals that are you know, presumed to have the highest return on investment because private sector is always looking to maximize profit, including private banks. Right. But if we look at the 2008 housing crisis, right, that, that was a perfect example of when the, the private banking sector, when given, you know, some level of control over the economy there, failed to actually give loans out in a very responsible way, right? Again, reflecting that, that principle yeah. of responsibility. So, so what, what is the answer 
as to who should who should bear the responsibility. Is it better in the private sector alone? Is it better being handled mostly by the public sector as we have now, right? And we're 1.5 trillion in student loan debt now. Is that better? I mean, that, that's the, that's the question, right? Like the private sector handled it, and then people went into debt, and and then and then the government had to bail out those businesses. And I'd mm-hmm. argue, like, maybe they shouldn't have. You know, what about? So now who's going to bail out the government? Who's going to bail out $1.5 trillion in debt in the government? Who's going to, you know, the psychology major suddenly going to make 50, 60 K a year and, and be able to pay, pay back their loans. Like, you see what I'm saying? Like there's no out, yeah. there's no out for the government that who's going to bail out the America. Like, yeah, know, well, that's, that's it. there's no, there's no fail safe. That's, there's no, okay. We could, we could default on the government, right. As, as, as uh, for, former students, but mm-hmm. who can the government default to nobody, China, like what it, <laughs> Right. You well, know what I'm saying? Like that's, that, a that's, like, the, that's the concept of compounding national debt, right? It ruins the whole, it ruins the whole shtick, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, there, there's also two schools of thought with the national debt. So, to the best of my understanding, this, this is out my, outside my, about this is, this is all outside my realm of expertise. But what I understand about it is that um, the, the government, right? If you look at the government debt or the federal debt, I should say, uh, you have two approaches. One is that the approach that, well, we should definitely curtail government spending and start to, you know, try to work away at that debt because that debt is going to be borne on future generations, right? Or we ignore it because the debt has, in my understanding, I understand the argument is this, the debt has never actually had a profound impact on the economy long-term, or at least- I've heard this too. We, we've had the debt being, for I think it was forgiven by particular- um, I've heard this argument too, and I've heard that uh, it's like the debt doesn't directly affect the economy, and it doesn't really matter. And right. in three of uh, the world uh, societies have always been dead, and everything's been fine. It's always been forgiven every hundred, right. two hundred years. I've right. heard this before. Um, so, well, so we just so by adopting that, then do we just throw, you know throw the baby out with the bathwater and just say, okay, no debt? I like just like take as much debt as we want. Like I just don't understand, right? Like so then as humans, as 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 individuals, we could just take as much debt as we want and just like go like where does it end? Like I, you know what I'm saying? Like like I, I've heard right. that before. Like oh, the debt doesn't really matter. Okay, like all right, let's say it doesn't. Um, now let's now we're just gonna uh, just spend and spend and then have these programs and then just have bloated until. Until we have a bubble that pops, that's the government. Instead of the 2008 mortgage crisis, it's going to be the 2020 student loan crisis that's going to pop. Like, I, I you know, like, it's, these are the thoughts I have, Joe. These are the thoughts I have. And I, I, I don't have the answer, but um, I, I could tell you right now, I'm pretty strong that it's not going to be, let's add another government program or spending because that's not going to help. How are we going to get these kids to pay back their loans? Right. jobs psychology jobs like like how many people need psychology like i, I you know what I, it's just it, oh well you know it's, it's they, they took psychology because they got the general eds and it was for their well-rounded education okay well-rounded education they're 100k right. in debt uh, right. and and then like where's the where's the where's the money coming in right where's the where's the growth where's the economic right. activity and right. uh and i'm right. crazy for saying this i'm i'm taboo how could you say that how could you say that, Nico? You know, with these kids, they, you know, uh, they, they got to, they, they pick their major, they pick their passion. I got, I can't get in the way of their passion. So yeah, well, they're, they're fair thoughts. You know, I, I think it requires uh, first off an objective analysis of the situation and having hard numbers on particular things, such as debt incurred by particular majors, 
uh, you know, and return on investment for particular loans for individuals coming out of the college college landscape. And I also think it you, you have to take it down to a moral sense as well. And as a government, you know, do you are are people like is is the ability to a college education a fundamental right? Right. Because the answer to that question would actually dictate a lot of the downstream uh, activities that you would perform as a government. Right. If you view uh, that college education was a fundamental right, then you would be obligated in a hmm. sense, you know, to act as if everybody deserves a college education, which could be, you know, played out in the sense of, of stu- you know, uh, readily available student loans to individuals with, you know, very, very little uh, consideration of previous financial status and and, you know, so you have to kind of start with the moral proposition and then work from there. And, you know, one of the arguments that was on this, this subreddit was that, in fact, the main argument was that college degrees are now a commodity. And, you know, one, one of the arguments that they kind of pushed in that was that we're, we're starting to transform into a, a society where we're seeing so many college degrees, so many college graduates go into the workforce that a lot of the the companies that are, a lot of the positions that are hiring, right, are actually requiring, um, a, you know, de facto requiring a bachelor's or a master's degree, which in the subreddit's argument is excluding individuals who have the, the necessary experience but don't have the degree, right? Yeah. And so if, if you were to start, so let's take it back to the moral proposition, right? My moral proposition is that if you're an American, if you're an American citizen, you have the right to a college education, right? Which, which might be some of the, the uh, political beliefs that are being um, kind of uh, purchased into by some of the, you know, uh, make college free uh, voters coming up in the upcoming election, right? But if, if you view that as a fundamental American right, to have a college education, then you're going to see this massive increase in, well, not only national debt because of all the college education you're now paying for, but you're going to see this massive increase in, in job uh, applicants in the market that have at least a bachelor's degree, likely a master's degree as well, right? So if you if you look at that and now the potential job pool is is filled with these bachelor's and master's degree, right? you're kind of moving towards the commoditization of a college degree, which is what the argument is making, right? And when you do that, you, you do devalue a college degree because now there's, there are no exceptionalists, right? There, there's, the, the PhD is now more common than not, uh, which in a market essentially translates into you have increased supply of something which literally drops the price of, of objects in a market, in a free market, right? Increased supply drops the value of a particular good, Right, that's the reason we don't pay ten pounds per, uh, ten pounds per for, uh, or excuse me, ten dollars per pound for dirt. Right? Why don't yeah. we pay ten dollars per pound for? Because we have a lot of dirt. You know, you yeah, go yeah, in your yeah. backyard and get dirt. <laughs> so, but and also, why gold is so expensive? Why why the gold as a commodity is very very viable because it's rare. So supply does dictate the price of certain things. So if you have an increased supply of, of individuals in the job market with degrees, right, you are in a sense commoditizing that degree. So. It, it almost begs the question, do you want everybody to have a college degree, which then if you take that back to the source, you take that upstream, should we view college education as a fundamental American right? And I, I, think, I, I don't have an answer for that, really. It's a really complex question. I, I'm going to say no. I, I'm going to just say no, because as soon as you say yes, it <laughs> sounds good and it feels good and it's morally right. And I sound elitist and I sound privileged saying no. 
But when, as soon as you say yes, you, wait, I lost the, can you, can you say something? Yep. I'm good. Oh, I hear you. As soon as you say yes, um, you owe funding for that for 320 million people. Mm-hmm. And, and, and just that, 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 that sheer idea is like, as soon as you say it's a right, I mean, that just kind of opens up a can of worms. And I, I was, I'm very, I've been very fortunate and, and, uh, and great. I'm grateful. I, I got to go to a school, you know, I met you as a friend and I got my degree in physical therapy. I love my job. I love what I do. I, I love waking up every morning. Um, so it, it, if we deny this as a right, does, is there someone else that would wake up and, and not have what I have because we did that? And, and that's, that's, that's what the question is. You know, what I have been able to do what I did without these loans and um, with it, with, you know, I would have probably gotten the loan somewhere else from a private institution. Um, but I would have, I would have been more serious about it because maybe the interest rate would have been a little bit higher. I would have like second guessed about my major. And I think that would have kind of helped a lot of other people, you know, they're getting these low interest rates and they're like, Oh, let me just major in vocal performance. Like uh, to, to, to use that, not to use the same degree. Uh, well, I did and, that argument that argument relies upon the fact that people make decisions based on interest rates, which I don't know if most seventeen or eighteen year olds are truly considering. No, they don't. Yeah, they don't. They're not. They're not really considering these loans, and and they're just <clears throat> just watching Instagram clips and YouTube clips and and talking to their friends in senior year, and they're like, "This is my passion. This is what I feel like I want to do." Because they're hearing people talk about it, and I get that, and it's great. You got to follow your passion. You got to do what you like to do. But there's mm-hmm. got to be some level of like re- like there's got to be some realistic like sense of reality and. And uh, I, uh, yeah, a realistic sense of reality is, is what I'm, I'm, I'm all for that. Yeah. Realistic. Did I just say that realistic sense of reality? I, I, um, you, you're picking up what I'm, what I'm putting down, Joe. I'm picking up what you're putting down. I think, I think, we're, beating, I think we're beating a dead horse <laughs> on, though, on this though. What, um, uh, <laughs> not necessarily though, because you, you have the, like the arguments of, you know, what, what level of attention should we ask? you know, 18 year olds to pay to their, their financial futures and, and how do social, uh, you know, how do social environments around them possibly construe that perception, you know? And yeah. so it's almost like you can look at the, the, the biopsychosocial model of finance. Did you just see Zach log on and then you wanted to say, and you wanted to say that word? <laughs> I, I did not see Zach just log on, but I'm happy that came out when Zach was on. I hope Zach heard that. Um, you know, I, all I'm saying is we got to re, re, relook this whole college thing because it's it's getting out of hand, and uh, we got people majoring in in um, you know what what was that major? I'm I'm gonna get so much flack if someone listens to this, but some of these majors they think are like communication management and design. Like what 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 essentially what is that? Like I don't know what that is. Like I don't know like what like what do you leave college with after that major? Like what, what like. Is it like can someone explain it to me? Because I'm I'm not I'm not trying I'm not trying to be insulting here with the majors, but I where how does it directly correlate into a job like like yeah. oh, you're, you're no. management and design like what are you designing things like like I don't I don't mean to sound ignorant I just I I, I actually don't know and I, I went to that school for six years through the summers and I some of these majors and some of these kids are like I, what's going on like television and radio you, you know make it thirty k when you get out the gate and you're spending four years there, you know, and, um, and then, and then the, the majors, the majors, our tuition is subsidizing those television and radio majors paying for all that 
the equipment in the park school and we're in a, in another room in, in uh, the health school massaging each other and to, pointed into each other's scapulas and saying, oh, this is PT. So we're paying for that. Like how much, how much does the school pay for our majors? We could get a couple of electronic plinths, a couple of bone models <laughs> and you call it a day. But then, uh, but for the television and radio, you got to buy like the freaking Mac computers, the editing software, you got yeah, to get the professors that know what they're doing and you got to get these big stages, the lighting system all so that they can go out and then work for a freaking uh, late night TV show, making 30, 30 K a year pi- buying coffee for, for Jimmy Fallon and, and, um, and you know, living in the city in a shoebox apartment and you know, there's no, there's no jobs out there, not in the city. So you're just eating ramen and every night living like a college kid at 26 years old. Like wh- where does it end? Like, where does it end, man? Like, like, and then the government's paying for the television and radio major. Like, I can't. I, oh, I just, Joe, I, I just don't see it. I don't see it. Someone can explain it to me. Like, please, hey, I, I welcome it, you know. The pot's boiling, man. The pot's boiling right now. You got, you got to toss some ice in there. Look, you, you just covered a, you covered a whole bunch of stuff. Which, I did, yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I, I'm just going to leave with no comment. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to, you know, I'm going to take the approach of, uh, withholding my disbelief until proven otherwise. Cause it, when it comes to a lot of the, the things you just said there, a lot of it comes down to, you know, that the fundamental thing I've talked about before, like, should, should we view, you know, what, what are the rights of individuals as Americans and, and, you know, how should we be funding this? And should we be taking into consideration that not all educations are equal in, in terms of finances? And, you know, does that start to, you know, to haunt the American dream a little bit? You know, so I, I don't, I don't have a good answer for it all, but I, I can certainly, you know, I, I can agree with you that it's complex and that there are certainly situations which are better than others. And there are better decisions to make, you know, if you have the landscape of decisions, there are better decisions to make with a college education than not. Sometimes the better decision is no college education or even trade school, right? Uh, that where you come out knowing a particular skill, you're able to apply that on day one and you can make good money doing so. But even, I feel like that's like taboo trade school. Yeah. Like just even like, like, uh, you know, coming from a affluent suburban, uh, community and, um, and then saying, you know, I'm going to go to trade school. It's like, Oh, that's good. That's, you know, that's, that's pretty good. Like people have that kind of like their voice goes up. Oh yeah. That's, Good job, like think about good money. Like you know, it's and it's kind of like looked down upon. I, I think it's changing now, but I think it's a little mm-hmm. bit like looked down upon. Like oh, like you're not going to college, and I, I, and, I, and it shouldn't be, and it shouldn't be. And I know other countries that have it more like vocationary tracks, mm-hmm. and I think that's better. Mm-hmm. Um, um, well, but uh, yeah, it, eh, yeah. In, in a sense, well, you have to consider that trade school. So the difference between trade school and, and other schools is that trade school is a very specific line of education geared towards getting you. Uh, competent at one thing or one field, right? Yeah. So it's a, it's a, it's almost like a competency thing. Whereas if, you know, and, and if you have an undergraduate degree in psychology, you might be trained to do a wide variety of different things, but you might be a jack of all trades, master of done going into a PhD or a master's program, right? So when, when it comes to trade schools being, and, and there might be a stigma there because, you know, oftentimes, well, there's this, at least in my view, there's a societal perception that if you're not going to college to get an undergraduate degree, then, then, well, what, what are you doing? Which also speaks to the commoditization by college degrees, by the way. And I'm not saying I agree with that argument. What I am saying is that, it. What, what I am saying is that trade school itself is, is a really good way to become very proficient and very competent at one particular field. And if we look at what you and I went through as physical therapists, what we went through in education, in a sense, was a very advanced trade school. 
you know, the, the, the DPT, the doctorate in physical therapy is a degree that primes you towards being a clinician, right? And you, you can walk out on day one and be a clinician, right? Whereas if you and I were to go get a PhD degree in, we'll say a PhD in kinesiology, right? You, you can walk out on day one and go to academia. You can yeah, yeah. maybe go a postdoc. You can, so there are a wide variety of things you might be able to do with that, but you, you don't have, uh, unless you really shape your PhD into a particular form that you want to see, you don't really have the, 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 uh, the almost trade school, like, uh, the, the very, very specialized skill that you can transfer into, you know, a very, very specific field, which has a high demand of employment. Right. But you know, I, I should take that back because in kinesiology PhDs, you do get very, very, in all PhDs, really, you get very, very good at performing research, right? But the, the, the demand for research is directly correlated to your ability to get a grant. Well, what percent right. of the population is going gonna, is gonna to really do a PhD and, 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 right? Like, you know, like that's what I, that's what I think about. That's, yeah. Know, how many people are really going to like take academia that far? Because at the end of the day, you know, you have to, Right. Well, there's only so many academia jobs, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, like is, mm -hmm. is that the case? So, um, I think about that and, uh, yeah, well, I'm looking here. I'm just curious in the stats. So I, I just Googled percent population with a PhD. It says that, uh, I'm reading here. I don't know the accuracy of this, but it says 21% have attained 21% of Americans have attained a bachelor's degree while 9.3% of adults over 25 have a master's degree almost 2% of Americans have a doctoral degree and 1.5% have earned a professional degree that requires study beyond the four year bachelor's course. <laughs> so we're, so we're in the 1% Joe. We're well, yeah, we are we're in the 1% you know? of, of knowledge. Well, like well, that's well, <laughs> I, I, I've heard, I've heard Jordan Peterson go off on this before and I, I, I like his arguments. So I want to share this, right? Please do. Um, if the 1% is defined by uh, who's in the sample, right? So who's in the population that you're studying? It, if you look at most Americans, like the, the average middle-class American, we're, we're definitely within the top 10% of the world. Whether or not we're the top 1%, I don't know, but we're, we're in some portion of the financial hierarchy in, in the entire world that's much better off than a lot of people, right? And so it's like keeping into, you know, taking into account the entire context, I think is important when you're placing yourself within a hierarchy, right? But if, I mean, you and I, you and I have doctorates, right? Mm -hmm. uh, we're probably in some top tier percentage of individuals with an education, right? And in a sense, we're very lucky because our education was similar to a trade school. We're, we're trained to do a very, very um, specialized uh, thing, right? Mm -hmm. Which is, is now beginning to branch out into even deeper specialties like orthopedics and neurology and and, uh, you know, that's now an oncology section of the American Physical Therapy Association. And there's a wide variety of specializations. But, uh, you know, it, it, it's, in a sense, easier to do, easier to get a job in a market that accepts that than if we were to walk out with, let's say, a, a, and again, I'm extrapolating, but a master's in, in industrial psychology, right? <laughs> Which industrial psychology? No, I'm, I'm, being, I'm being serious though. I'm being absolutely serious. And, and right? I'm being serious that I don't know. I still don't. I've never met an industrial psychologist. I don't know what it is, um, and um, I don't know what a forensic psychologist is uh, exactly. I, I mean, I, I've googled it and I've looked it up and I've read the definition, um, uh -huh. but like, I didn't know that there were like seven different 
zones of psychologists. Like there isn't there. You're a physical therapist. You're a physical therapist. Yeah, you could specialize in this or that, but you're a physical therapist. But I didn't know that there were there were specializations of psychologists that were denoted in their title. Like you don't walk around going, "I'm an orthopedic physical therapist" or "I'm a neurological physical therapist." You say you're a physical therapist. You know, mm-hmm. you ever walk around going, "I'm an industrial psychologist." Oh wait, uh, I got to go uh, talk to this guy about his divorce. Oh wait, no, I'm an industrial psychologist. I got to only deal with the work situation. It's you've heard this argument before. I think it's silly that there's specializations in that, but. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, Nico, I don't really have a good comment for that. I, I, I don't know. I don't know how to explain industrial psychology because I don't think I have a good understanding of it. Right. And, and I feel like it's easy to generalize particular fields if you're standing from an outside perspective looking in, but I'm not sure how best I would describe industrial psychology from an insider point of view, because the, the fact that the field exists means that there's some value to it. Right. Um, that's, that's almost axiomatic, but like, what is the value? What do you do? Here, an organizational psychology job description from allpsychologyschools.com lists industrial organizational psychologists use psychological principles and research methods to solve problems in the workplace and improve the quality of life. They study workplace productivity and management and employee working styles. They get a feel for the morale and personality of a company or organization. That was like a little bit of something and a whole lot of nothing. No, I can see like, so... I'm sure one of the things they look at is like the the work setup and the organization of particular, um, you know, we'll say, you know, office uh, furniture and things like that. The color, like, so there's research looking at the color of particular walls, changing so, so, outcomes. So, so what are they interior designers doing feng shui? And they needed a degree for that. Yeah. You know, to, know that, no, to, to that, to that, no comment to that, no comment. We, we, you know what, we should have an industrial organizational psychologist on the podcast and then we'll, Please. we'll, we'll chat about, Please, I don't mean to poo-poo the, the profession. Just help me understand. And any, anything that I say that might be insulting, it's coming from a place of, uh, um, what's the word for saying, lack of understanding. Uh, naive, ignorance. Um, uh, ignorance is a little harsh. <laughs> what's, a nicer way to say? what's a nicer way to say ignorance? It's like, gen- ignorance is you're not, I feel like you're not open-minded. Like, I'm definitely open-minded to learn and I've like read oh, enough. Yeah. I just, uh, ignorance is like, you don't know and you don't, you're not interested in, in knowing more. So I would say I'm ignorant, but I'd like to not be. <laughs> open, open-minded. You, we'll, we'll say you have high trade open-minded. Open, open, open-minded uh, ignoranus. Right. By, by the way, this is coming from individuals who both have taken the big five test, which has the, uh, some decent uh, psychological literature on it and actually predicts a lot of things like uh, political um, outcome. You could take the test and the researchers can predict whether or not you're male or female. I mean, there, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of cool things they can do with it, but we, we take that test. So we, we do believe we, we understand the value of psychology, but for industrial organizational psychology, we're, we're both a little undereducated and to any industrial organizational psychologists out there, to anybody who's listening to us, we'd more, we'd be more than happy to talk to somebody about this to give us a good feel for, for what we're missing, what we're not understanding. Yeah. So, um, on that note, what do you think? I think there's a lot more conversation to be had, but probably for a different time. Yeah. I think, uh, I think I second that. All right. So, uh, yeah, Nico, thanks for chatting. Let's, uh, let's hop on sometime. Yeah. Likewise. Cue the lo-fi. Cue the lo-fi.